Hi, welcome to another episode of Sports Gala Show. Today will be a very special episode. I mean, I always say that every episode is special because all my guests are special. But today is a bit more special than the rest because we have an athlete who is not competing anymore. And he is a, a famous face in the Singapore scene. So if you don't find him famous, it means that you are too young, young to be on the internet without your parental guidance. <laughs> but I will allow you to watch my show and listen to my show. So we have here today, UK Sham. Me! Hi. <laughs> I'm very bad at doing introductions. It's okay. So, um, can you introduce yourself better than me? Okay, uh, Okay. my name is UK Sham and I used to run the 100 meters but I retired like many, like more than 10 years ago and I hold the, the national record for the 100 meters in Singapore. And what's that? Uh, that's like 10.37. And when do you set that? Oh, uh, that was set in 2001. And they're away. But UK Sham is going well as. Well, he's got a good chance of the silver, and Selawang and Yuki Sham, Yuki Sham takes the silver over. Wow, and it's still not chosen yet. It's still, yeah. Wow. <laughs> you get, so you get, so in SAA terms, when you break a national record, you get money, right? No. No? No, that time, no. <gasps> I mean, by that time, you, like, after the, because I think a lot of people like to watch the 100 meters after the record was broken, um, I did get a lot of help from the public. So we understand from your past uh, running career that um, it's not only the good side that was portrayed of you but the, the bad side as yeah. well. Yeah, <laughs> so tell us more about that. Well, so after I had gotten a lot of attention and I had a lot of sponsors and all that, maybe uh, there were sometimes like run-ins with NSA. Sometimes the press tried to paint me out as like sort of a, you know, a bad boy of, mm. of sports and all that kind yeah. of thing. It depends on how like the media frames yeah. the stories like that. And um, I think I had a bit of a reputation because I was a bit like outspoken because I was unhappy with like a lot of policies. I mean, for instance, at that time, they didn't allow us to run like the 100 meters individual because they felt that uh, you're not good enough to run the 100. Really? And uh, so you should just focus on the relay. So like basic things like even going to an uh, overseas meet to a tryout in the 100 meters was not even allowed out, which I felt was something that everyone needs to improve. Like everyone needs to be exposed to the 100 meters. Yeah, and if your base speed improves, then the relay can run fast also. Yeah, I voiced it out, but the problem is that uh, in order to cut your time down, you need to so if you just run in Singapore against locals, you will never improve. Yeah, you really need to go out and run with faster people, and that's the way it's done in the rest of the world. Another issue was like funding, lah, like you know, financial support. Okay, of course not huge sums, but even like money to eat or transport. So it's not an issue of like not having talent, yeah. but you know certain like mechanisms need to be in place. Right, yeah. But do you see any improvements or changes in the policies in the sports industry since your time and uh, my time? Yeah, actually, like there have been uh, a lot of improvements in terms of funding that Sports Council, uh, you know, Sport SG provides and all that kind of thing. That one was called Athlete Career and Training Scheme. Okay. They had picked a few athletes to to fund our full time training and yeah. also to pay for our university and all that, right? Yeah. But that I got that. Uh, only after I broke the national record. Mm -hmm. So uh, the issue is like, uh, actually funding needs to be done not only after the results, mm -hmm. but on the way to help the athlete achieve mm -hmm. the results. So we also need to look at like, uh, 
the from the the point of view of the administrators lah. Mm. Because it's public funds, they can't be just you know anyhow like giving out money to anyone who supposedly shows potential. But I think that if if you sit down with coaches and the NSA. You can ascertain, you know, the level of potential the person has, and it's also about how fast is the person running, mm. right? So um, if you look at, you know, the training age, like how long has this athlete been in the sport? Yeah. Is this guy just like uh, someone from JC one or JC two, and then yeah. he's running ten eight? Uh, is he is he training a lot, or is it a bit of training, and is he still running so yeah. fast? Then all these things actually uh, can give us signs that hey, this person, if we give him the chance, mm. uh, you know, he can actually improve a lot. Yeah. There are ways to help the athlete on the way to that big, uh, like you know, not that big glory lah. Yeah, but of right. course, they, we, we cannot give them too much anyway, right? Yeah. If there are, uh, you know, if there's a reasonable, like achievable amount, then the funding will mm. definitely help. Like, you know, and nudge, nudge the person yeah. forward. Yeah. And I also feel that you know, administrators who provide the funding, they need to know the sport. Like, Definitely. Yeah, you were talking about sprinting, yeah. but sprinting is just one sport. Correct. Yeah. And then, yeah, like so for your rowing and all that. So the issue is that sometimes um, it's very important like to know the specificities of the sport. Right. And for you, before you receive that funding, mm-hmm. how were you surviving in sports and what uh, was life? That was a really big issue because I, I come from a single parent family and my mom was just like a tuition teacher. In NS I was actually like surviving on I think like two hundred and ninety dollars a month. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And and then I think at that time the funding was like about I might be six hundred dollars a year. <laughs> so the funny wow. thing is I actually I actually trained here. So yeah. like uh after camp I, I would come here and, and have a meal there. Mm. Like I remember like it's budget lah, so you have like beef fried rice for like two fifty mm. <laughs> and then a drink and then rest and then train. So it's like um you you don't have enough money sometimes for I didn't have like at that time yeah. for meals or even for transport and all that kind of thing. I mean because it's just like I was on my own so a lot of the time I, I never really had a coach. At that time Mr. Kunalan was a professor here. So he would actually come and help me sometimes and I would talk to him about Yeah, he's very, very nice. He would actually talk to me and, and tell me about you know we would talk about training methods and all that. When he had the time he would come down but generally I would be on my own. So I was just like reading physiology books and trying to come up with like training approaches that would be good. So it was like a trial and error kind of thing for a lot of the time. Until when I was like 24 and then I had I met my uh, Mr. Pedro Acuna who was from Chile. When I talked to him I realized that wow he knows so much like technical knowledge and uh, then I like begged him to train me and then when he saw that I was like so lost yeah. and then he agreed lah and then for the first time in like many many years I had like a structured program um, and then my wow. my training like I my time started like improving and improving and then I eventually I broke the national record. I see. Yeah. Do you think from you appearing in the media you know because of all this funding you trying to get your own funding and then support from the community do you think it has paved the way for athletes now? Uh, I don't know. I don't know because I think I was like from really, really long, like from really, really long ago. And I think a lot of it also depends on the realities of who you are and what kind of family you're born into, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, I mean, because I didn't come from a wealthy family, I think that actually like that also meant that I was so dependent on like funding. Not I probably could have like you know. 
people like gone to america and all yeah. that I, I was just having a conversation with a friend previously who we were saying that actually a lot of athletes kind of need wealthy parents you do yeah, yeah. it is important but like people like us we don't come from rich families yeah. but we managed to you know um create history in a positive way yeah yeah so i guess there is hope you know for there, athletes aspiring athletes in singapore I, there, yeah definitely there is hope, but like we also must be willing to like. I think you need like un, undying attention to your sport, yeah. to the that maybe, obsession. Yeah, it, to the yeah. extent of being like obsessed <laughs> and really, really wanting to yeah. to do it, lah. Yeah. Uh, but then also we are also pulled away by a lot of realities, right? Like, um, um, do we have a career pathway after mm. our sports? Yeah. So um, that's the other thing that I want to talk to you about. Yeah. How was that? How was that transition? I stopped. Because I had put so many years of my, my, my studies and all on hold mm-hmm. and like at that time being in the system was like um, um, it was very very difficult uh, because it was very political and uh, it was a very frustrating kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so like it, there seemed to be so many impediments and I wasted like three or four years of my uh, life like you know skipping skipping years of university and even uh, like after A levels, skipping a year so that I could go for my first CA, yeah. and I I couldn't be selfish anymore. I needed to go out and actually work and and provide for my family. Wow. <laughs> Certain incidences uh, in my career made me realize that at the end of the day, everything could be lost if you didn't have your degree. Like no matter what you had done, what no matter what you had done for the sport, uh, all that you know may count for nothing if you don't have anything to fall back on. If the um, community was more supportive, you had the funding, you had um, you know work waiting for you. Would that change your career? Your I think career? I I really think like I could have like I I think I could have achieved uh, like a lot more than what I did if like things were not so so. You think I'm quite. I mean, I'm, I always look back and I'm sad and I wonder what I could have done. If it was really? a bit more like plain sailing. I think it, it's just like a lot of a, a lot of politics in yeah. my sport at that time. Yeah. Um, no, I but we do hear about you know politics in your sport currently as well. Now, yeah, <laughs> now you still have it, but I think now, uh, yeah, now it's true. Now it's still there. Uh, I'm not saying bad about your sports, but yeah. it's out there. Yeah, you know? exactly. yeah. it's a reality, lah. I mean, yeah. uh, but now I think they are. The funny thing is now, like they are, maybe they've gone to the other extreme where, like, a lot of, there are a lot of opportunities for athletes. Yeah. Now, uh, sure. so it's another set of problems. Problems, like, right? Yeah. That time there was no support. Now I think there is quite a bit of support, but other like infighting and all that. Um, you were saying that you didn't go to America yeah. because you wanted to stay at home uh, because your mom's alone at home. Yeah. So let's say if someone now an athlete now, yeah. you know, has an opportunity to go overseas but facing the same problems, what would you tell them? Wow. So if I met someone, <laughs> if I met someone that's in my shoes now, mm-hmm. then I would really tell them, if you want to take that next step to become like Asian class or world class, you have to go away. You can't run and do you know sprint repetitions on your own uh, in Singapore and running local meets and winning all the time. That's not how, um, that's not how you improve. So it's not an issue of, uh, I mean, it's not that I'm like putting down the local system, but it's also like, it's true, yeah, yeah, it's also the people that you train with, 
and also the system that you're in. So like if you go to a, a NCAA school, you know, like UCLA or, or, or you know, Texas or wherever, uh, they churn out Olympians for like the past 20, 30 years. So like in terms of training expertise, like the coaches, the type of training, uh, the environment, like you have so many races where you'll be running with, you know, Olympic semi-finalists, Olympic quarter-finalists, and on a daily basis, uh, that, that is already something that we don't have here. And you are also, um, uh, as you'll be a student athlete there, so uh, there I think they have like academic advisors that help you plan your studies around your training. So what are you doing now? Uh, okay, now, now like now I teach philosophy at, at junior college. Yeah. yeah. So people tell you that you don't look like a philosophy teacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I want, I'm trying to find out what is the look of a philosophy teacher. <laughs> no, I think because people assume that sports people will become PE teachers. Yeah. 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 So. Um, yeah, you enjoy it, no? Yeah, I enjoy it because I I did uh, my degree was in philosophy. Mm. So that that I mean that's really really quite fun. Yeah. Yeah. So does it make you a wise person learning philosophy? Wise, uh, I think, uh, I mean sometimes I overthink things, but mm. yeah, it's made me like reflect on life and why things are the way they are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> are you doing any other sports now? Uh, no, now I just like exercise so that I don't get too fat. <laughs> Do you run? Do sprinters actually like to run? Sprinters will just... <laughs> Sprinters just sprint la. they all very, <laughs> you know like long distance like running, yeah. so I still do a bit of like sprinting and yeah. a bit of weights, but of course just like for fun oh. and like easy, you know, like play around kind of. Yeah. yeah, okay, so you, you have to talk about your book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, so uh, you have a book coming up. Yeah, actually so um, when when I was running, um, I had been approached to, to like, a lot of people wanted to write like the story of my career. Uh, but at that time, I think I was like too caught up in like trying to juggle so many things. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, now it's a bit late. But I just look back, and then you know, I feel that it's important for people like to know my story. Mm -hmm. Not because like what I achieved is great, like definitely not. But because like maybe like all of us can uh, learn, like learn from oh, the sure. yeah, learn from the past. Uh, also like you know like not make the same mistakes and also at the same time like be um, optimistic and thankful that things have improved in some ways yeah. like sometimes when i meet some of like the like current athletes they, they do like sort of complain but and then i'm thinking like wow yeah. <laughs> uh, i mean you don't want to be like this old uncle and say oh in my time <laughs> but, but you are <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly right just like how our parents say huh, you guys are nowadays <laughs> A lot of things have been refined, so I think in sport energy they have like refined uh, a lot of the the schemes and all that. So there are a lot of things that are more conducive. But um, like I think in like local universities, for instance, that that area I think can afford to be better. Like yeah, like track, yeah, right? because that yeah. I think once a lot of our athletes go to the local universities, then um, and that is those are the years where you need to training harder Correct. right yeah. so do we have mechanisms in our local universities to allow for yeah. athletes to train yeah. really really hard yeah. right so my book tries to talk about these things like very very objectively yeah. the writer is Kenneth Cook he was a he was a track and field athlete a 400 meter runner and like the, the track captain of the, some of the CBA 
so he tries to write a very balanced like looking at the issue from both sides of the coin so I, I hope like uh, it makes people think about uh, issues that that face our local sporting landscape and you know and behind the scenes and behind <laughs> the, the scenes yeah yeah exactly yeah. so uh, be exactly behind the scenes because sometimes like you just see something in the press and a lot of things are framed in a certain right. way and if people don't know about sports they won't realize you know like the difficulties that athlete goes through or or and that kind of thing it's being edited by ethos book it's just really it's a it's a human interest story mm. that that revolves around no, but sports. i think you know like you know other athletes are uh, those foreign athletes uh, biographies yeah. there's a lot to learn from sports a lot to learn yeah. from an athlete's yeah, life yeah yeah the amount of money that i get from my sales like i will be giving it to uh underprivileged like sports kids last question of the day we're going to wrap up our conversation do you have any advice for aspiring athletes out there, current athletes, anyone? Wow. Okay. Um. I. I. Mean, I. I think that like if you love the sport, no matter what sport you're in, you should you should just go out all out and do it. Like follow your passion because, like you're only young once and like there's a window, right? And you need to grab like that window of opportunity. Thank you so much for sharing your stories. And for me, being an athlete. I would like personally thank you for you know paving the way for us. I okay. mean, from what you do, from your stories, from you know um, even these articles. <laughs> I know it was hard for you. Like whatever I've been through as well, you know, being in the media because yeah, of the funding had, thing. Yeah. yeah, no one knows how hard it is. Exactly. Only we know. Yeah. But you know, sometimes we don't know how much we're doing now will actually help the future. Yeah, I, I hope I hope that like things uh things get better. Yeah, uh, things, have gotten, <laughs> things have gotten yeah. things have gotten better, but I think they definitely yeah. have. Like, so so yeah. that's why I feel also that like uh, we must be careful not to. Uh, we also have always like blaming, yeah, right? we always we, yeah. we have a culture of complaining where we are just <laughs> blaming and we feel that it's our right yeah. and we are slamming like the policies even though you know they are really good so we uh, a lot have a lot to be fortunate about exactly. like and happy about also yeah. um, i feel that if we want to help the athletes or the sporting community we come forward and yeah. help instead of complaining behind like yeah. you know the computer screen yeah. like if they have a match uh, going on come down and support yeah right? exactly on the behalf of the current athletes thank you <laughs> thanks for <laughs> thank you for sharing me. your stories thank you for uh, writing this book, I will definitely help to share it around. Yeah, please, please do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel a bit embarrassed because it's like, well, I'm not like trying to blow my own trumpet or something. It's just to get your story out there. Like, I think yeah. Singapore stories in general have value. I think people need to know the truth as well. Yeah. Yeah, because from the truth, it, like, ideas will develop, opinions will develop, yeah. and then that's how people and improve. It's good to, to hear like both sides of the story right. and, and just like learn from the past. Yeah. Alright, thank you for your time here. Okay. Thank you so much and thank you guys for watching. Bye!